that walk, that walk, that walk. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, rolling. This is Walk and Roll Live. This is Walk and Roll Live. A podcast dedicated to the disabled community, sharing stories of courage and triumph, joy and discovery, and everyday successes and challenges. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Vincent and Eric Aguilar. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Walk and Roll Live. I'm Doug Vincent, along with my co-host, Eric Aguilar. How you doing, buddy? Good morning, folks. How you doing? I'm Eric Aguilar. We're heading into the Hunters today. Be sure to protect yourself and stay hydrated from those harmful rays. Oh, yeah. It's hot in our area, isn't it? So, did you have a good week? Have we talked about 4th of July? Did we talk about 4th of July? I had a good one, didn't you? Oh, yeah, we talked about 4th of July. Oh, but I, that's right. You guys I, had the block party. Did I go more depth about the block party? Yeah, that's there right. There was one other thing that I, re- that, I, that I really enjoyed. It was called axe throw. Mm-hmm. It's a little thing where you get the plastic axes and you throw them and you try to hit the target the best you can. And with every shot, I was like, wait a minute. I could throw axes too? Wow. <laughs> yeah. That is a big I mean, deal now, evidently. I've seen that, that all over Instagram. Uh, one of those portable... Uh, uh, X uh, throwing games where you could put it anywhere in your yard, the front or the backyard, and you could just do your own thing. Yeah, I've I've been seeing that a lot. I think there's even like local bars that are having axe throwing, and which I don't know, alcohol and axe throwing. Yeah, because mm, let that's... me tell you, axe throwing and uh, archery is not only a game; it's a skill. It's a skill, absolutely. So I uh, this week I had a good week, and and uh, I. Um, I get on Instagram. I'm probably on there way too much, but there's some great things that, you know, if you use it correctly, there's great things that come out of there. And there's uh, people that I follow that are amateur chefs, you know, but, but high level amateur chefs. And, you know, I get some great recipes on there. And I found a guy did a quick little recipe for cubed salmon. And I never thought about cutting it into little cubes. So you cut it in cubes and, and you marinate it. And, you know, just some things you have around the house, you know, like some soy sauce and and uh, olive oil and a few uh, like garlic powder, onion powder and a few other things in there. And boom, bake it. It's like, oh, my God. It was so good. Yes. Yeah. Let me tell you, folks, you can also uh, marinate your chicken with beer if you're barbecuing. That's or right. if you're looking for some good ribs, use some Dr. Pepper to marinate your ribs the day before. And then you grill them the very next day. It'll uh, work. I guarantee it. Who knew that Walk and Roll Live would be given cooking tips? <laughs> you know, and I had such great success with the salmon that I tried it on chicken as well. And that was pretty good, too. That was pretty tasty. So I'm actually yeah. starting to dabble and learn how to make my own cocktails. Like yesterday, I tried my very first cocktail. You use some pineapple juice, some lime juice, and a little bit of ginger beer along with some ice. And then if you want to, get a lime slice, garnish it with some mint leaves, and there you go. Done. I like it. Mm. Got some else to try. Also, uh, I spent a little time, uh, did some gardening over the weekend and also um, added some pics to the website. So, you know, if you want to see what these two goofballs look like, you can go on there and got some other pics that are up there from uh, other advanced that got some, so I got some childhood pictures. Did you see those? Eric, did you look? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> little the thing I'm going to do for the audience is that every uh, cocktail or smoothie I'm going to make i'll put the recipe on the web website for us that way you guys can take the challenge yourselves absolutely we'll do that absolutely we'll do that all right so uh i just want to let you know that uh you're 
listening to Walk and Roll Live, and it is coming to you from the Aguiar Professional Training Studio. Uh, we'll uh, tell you more about what they're all about here in just a little bit. And you can contact us at warlive at walkandrolllive.com, or you can go to the website at walkandrolllive.com, and there's a uh, contact form there you can fill out. Love to hear your ideas uh, for the show, feedback for the show, all those kinds of things. And uh, wherever you're listening now, just know that you can also find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, iTunes, Sam's, you've heard of iTunes, right? Samsung Podcast, Stitcher, Pandora, just to name a few. All right. So uh, today's guest, we've got uh, Terry Black, who is a special ed teacher in the uh, high desert of California at Adelanto High School. Uh, so we are going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk to her next. Go ahead and get some coffee, folks. We'll be right back. Aguiar Professional Training offers comprehensive organizational development and organizational effectiveness services for corporations, nonprofits, educational institutions, and individuals. What they do is improve work environments in key areas, such as performance management gaps, group interactions, morale and trust building, and team dynamics, to name just a few. Using a strength-based approach in conjunction with individual or group coaching, all of the strategies have produced significant results. APT also assists with managing change, improving work processes, training, and management of human capital. Learn more at agyarprofessionaltraining.com. A-G-U-I-A-R professionaltraining.com. Seeking walk that Welcome back to Walk and Roll Live. I am Doug Vincent, my host, uh, Eric Aguilar, along with us here today. And today we've got uh, a guest that's going to talk about the educational needs of the disabled community. And uh, she fits in with that very nicely. Terry Black, special ed teacher at Atlanta High School in Atlanta, I would imagine, California. Right? Yeah. <laughs> very good. Well, thank you for, for joining us today. Um, you know, we always like to learn a little bit about our guests before we kind of get into the reason that you're here. So, uh, first question generally we ask is, Eric, you want to ask <laughs> where you're from, right? Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Terry. Where are you from? Um, I currently reside, or I'm from Apple Valley, California, um, by way of Moreno Valley. Um, okay. So. Riverside County, San Bernardino County. Um, but I've been here in the high desert for uh, over 30 years. So wow. I'm a desert rat. That's, that, that's home. <laughs> right? right. It is so, home. So like through your high school years and all of that. Huh? Um, through high school, I did attend um, high school in Moreno Valley, um, ninth and 10th grade year, moved out here to Apple Valley and attended my junior and senior year here in at Apple Valley High School. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. So that is a one beautiful desert, Terry. I remember the last time I was there, there was nothing there but rocks. And it was one of the rockiest places <laughs> on the planet. Yes, we've had a few upgrades since then. Uh, sprouts coming soon. Very good. So um, at what point do you, did you um, get interested in or... Uh, was this something that you wanted to follow being a special ed teacher or being in that field in some way, or did life's path kind of lead you to it? I think a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, 
when I look back and it took my sisters to say, do you remember when we were kids and we would, I would, you know, I was always the one in trouble and I would always be sent to my room. (laughs) And back in those days, when you were sent to your room, you didn't have a TV, you didn't have a computer, you didn't have a phone, you had nothing. Um, I had the stuffed animals and I would set the stuffed animals up in rows, um, like a classroom and I would mm-hmm. be there teaching. Uh-huh. And, um, so my job would be seven, eight, nine, ten, Um, and this is what I did every time I got sent to my room. So I would set my, my stuffed animals up and I would teach and I would have a schedule of math, history, English. I mean, I would just, wow, you were legit. <laughs> yeah, I wow. Like I had it. And so, um, and I never realized that in reality, I was, that was my path. Um, of course, you know, in life, you're always trying to do the opposite of what, you know, what is your intended purpose in life? Mm-hmm. And I was doing just that. I was in a completely, I was in the medical field. I was, you know, um, doing medical compliance and billing. And I I was totally, you know, not into teaching or even thinking I was going that route until I got, um, I, you know, was in school. And, um, someone asked me to apply for, you know, a teaching position. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not interested, you know, and, I, and they asked me three times and the same job. And I'm like, why do you guys keep asking me the same, the same positions available three months later? Like, really? So I finally went and checked it out. And um, I said, well, let me go and just look. And I went and checked it out. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that thing pretty. That's like easy. I could do that. And so that's how I ended up as a teacher. awesome so so did you start just as a as a a regular teacher or no it started in special ed i did i started in special education at a non-public school okay uh, where um it was all boys and they had been convicted of a 288 crime which is a sexual crime okay and um and so they would actually be they were all in a group home that they would bus from this group home to the school and so it was all boys um, and they were all on, um, they had, you know, some, some form of a disability, ADHD, ADD, some form of cognitive disability, a lot of ED, um, emotional disturbance. So it was a lot of um, uh, disabilities that, um, you know, prevented them to be, you know, successful in, in a classroom. Yeah. So that's how I started. It was, I think, 10 kids to a class, maybe 12. Um and I was just like, no, I actually like this. I liked the small classroom where you get to really speak to the students, get to know who they are. Um, and I, I would, I gravitated toward that. Yeah. So I started uh, off in special ed. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious, the, the nature of their crimes, did their developmental or intellectual uh, disabilities, were they given any leniency or... Um, okay. So the nice part about me being a teacher, I didn't know what their, um, actual crimes were, the like, specifics, you knew, that, you knew that it was a sexual crime and they were pulled from the home. Yeah. Gotcha. So therefore, you know, it was probably a sister, uh, you know, and they weren't allowed to go back home. Gotcha. They gotcha. had to go to like a six bed program after our program. And then they would be with us maybe let's say a year or two. And then um, they would go to, you know, a six bed program because yeah. they could go back home unless the parents had two separate homes. So you knew that it was, you know, some type of sexual crime that he yeah. did with a, a sibling. Um, okay. And okay. Um, yeah. 
So, and Eric and I actually were just talking about this before we came on. Um, mm-hmm. Is that with disabilities, there it's there's no two alike. I mean, we're 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 snowflakes. You know, even though you know a couple of people may look alike, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or or appear to have maybe similar disabilities, mm-hmm. it, nothing could be further th- from the truth. So, how is that a special challenge in the classroom? You've got well, what size is your classroom now? Say. Um, so the class size, we can have no more than 20. Sometimes it does get a little bigger than that, but not for long. Yeah. But our contract is 20 um, in a classroom in our uh, more intense um, disabilities. It's 17 um, in a classroom, but the class size that I have is 20 and it does become challenging. because, yeah, yeah. Um, And I think it also becomes challenging because what the state is saying is, oh, no they want a high school diploma you have to teach algebra so let's say so let me mm. give it. and i do actually teach integrated uh, math one which is a form of algebra so you have to teach the state what the state is telling you to teach to students who the cognitive ability is, is there and so let's say they're functioning at second third grade but now you're having to teach at eighth ninth grade ninth tenth grade curriculum yeah so um, we have advocates all the time ask, well, how can you do that? Um, and I think some of it, it's, some question is, are you sure you want your student to have a high school diploma? Because if they can go and get a certificate of completion and not take the, these particular courses and take more functional skills, right? Yeah. So that is very helpful. If they If they truly need functional skills, Let's get them into a functional program. And I'll kind of go back to this functional program in a bit. But looking at the high school diploma and saying, okay, they need to pass, let's say, this integrative math one, we use a lot of manipulatives, a lot. So um, I actually have, um, when I say a lot of manipulatives, let's say we use a number line. Um, So when they're doing negative five plus three, yeah, that may seem very simplistic to some somebody, but they actually need to visually see that. So therefore the number lines are taped at the top of each desk so that a student can start at negative five and then go in the positive direction to um, three spaces. Um, we use calculators. So, you know, a lot of people, especially, you know, uh, the generation that I'm in, they believe that, you know, no, do not use a calculator. But yes, they need a calculator. And if mm-hmm. I can teach them how to use a calculator appropriately on their phone, they're going to be able to use that calculator when they step into a restaurant. So how many times have you seen, many of us have gone to restaurants. How many times have you seen people pick up a device to read for them? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not many, but you see everybody pick up a device for the tip. They want yes. to That's where it is. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and this person could have a, a doctorate degree, right? And so now you mean to tell me that we're not going to teach our special needs students how to use a device that is important in a functional world. So um, I think that that's, you know, very important to, to teach. Um, but we use a lot of manipulatives, um, a lot of algebra. We use uh, blocks, um, um, uh, equations. We use a scale to show balance. Um, so there's just a lot of manipulatives that's being used. We also use a lot of partner work, group and partner work. And so we okay. spend some time getting group ready or, or excuse me, partner ready and then group ready. And so when a student is, and you know, 
they're high school, so they want to be very social, mm-hmm. which that's perfect, you know, but you need to also teach them how to be ready to work with somebody. And that yeah, to me yeah. is also a functional skill um, embedded within the curriculum, teaching them, okay, if you want a partner, I need you to have one skill that you could come, you know, that you can come to, your bring to the group. Yeah. So if it's just you can understand and know that number line and you always get the number line correct, then that's what your special special specialty is. Perfect. It may be someone's there is a negative and positive signs. That's perfect. Like just come with one skill. So we talk about that. What is your specialty? What is your one skill? What is your one niche that you know that you can nail every single time? Um, And then being able to pick a partner who has the opposite skill as you, you know, because now you guys create a good partnership and it may not be your friend, but it's somebody that's, that has something to offer you to the table. And if you want it to be your friend, then let's talk about, okay, you're going to be good at this. Now, now let's have a conversation, which to me is also another functional skill. Yeah. Yeah. Who's going to be responsible for this and who's going to be responsible for this piece. So when you guys are together in a partnership, you guys can actually function within a classroom. Now, do they do? Do you let them find the friend with those particular skills that are going to complement their particular skill on their own, or do you kind of help them, guide them? Um, some need no, and see that's where yeah, you know, where you have that um that roller coaster, right? Yeah, where you have the the what you talk about the snowflakes. There's going to be some kids they don't need any help. Miss Black, leave me alone. I'm working with you know Sergio over here. Yeah. Then you're going to have that one kid who's like, uh, they're going to sit quiet. And that's when, you know, let me go help you, you know, yeah. and then you have to tell them because they don't even know what they're, um, what they're good at, you know, yeah. and so you'll, then I let them know, this is what I think they're good at. What do you think you're good at? And so we, uh, discuss that. And then I'll say this person over here you know, is really good at this. And then um, do you guys want to try to work together? And then they'll both, you know, say, yeah, yeah. we'll try it. And then they come together. Um, I, this year, there's two um, partnerships that stood out. Well, one partnership, uh, two gentlemen. And um, one of them is uh, ADHD all over the place. And the other one is more calm but kind of can space out. Right. But they're both, they're so is, is they're, they're very intelligent, but it was just interesting to see how their disabilities kind of get into effect because the one with ADHD, he's going to, he knows what to do, but he wants to speed through it. He wants to, um, it's, you know, everything's kind of like a race. Um, and, and he's going to bing, bing, bing. He's like a squirrel. squirrel <laughs> you know? right. and so, um, he had no assigned seat in my classroom because every seat was his, any open seat was his seat. <laughs> gotcha. so, it, because it was where he wanted to sit for that particular 10 minutes. Yeah, right? moment, right? Yeah. Right, for that moment. <laughs> and so he would um, sit here and then he would get up and move over to the, the next, you know, another group of th- two or three people. And then he will get up and move over to another group and he'll get in. But he worked so well with this one student who worked with nobody all year. And it was so interesting to see that. So person. they complimented each other. Oh, so well. And wow. it into, um, they relied on one another. One was absent. Well, hey, where is he? Well, where is he at? 
you know, and so it was super. Now, that would never fly in a regular class, right? Yeah, I mean, it would be hard because they have so many students. It's 40 yeah, students. Yeah. So in a special edu- education classroom, it's 20 students with two adults. So it's the classroom teacher and the instructional aide. And so I think almost every math class needs that, especially for people. There's, you know, a few things in life people fear. Taxes. Math. And the dentist. (laughs) And so it's like, why do we not have our math classes, any math class small for all students, not just education students? Um, So it would be nice, but I am glad I have the opportunity to teach math in small groups with students, um, you know, and with the classroom aid. It's just, it's a functional uh, setting. Yeah. So you... Not only teach math, though, right? Do you teach other subjects as well within, or is this your specialty? Uh, so for the first, I've been teaching 19 years. Mm-hmm. So for the first eight, nine years, I taught English. Okay. And so, um, and that's when the high school exit exam was around. So the high school what? The high school exit exam. So oh. basically, all students had to pass this test, um, you know, a basic kind of like a basic skills test. And it, it was pretty basic, but anytime you say the word test to many special education students, not just even special ed, it, they have to, right. Yeah. The, the, uh, that anxiety goes up Yeah, it is at this point, you know, um, and it was, they wanted, they wanted it at first with zero accommodations. So now we're talking, okay, they have to read this entire thing on their, their own. They have to stay focused on their own. Like, it was it was pretty difficult. Yeah. So um, I ended up getting a a high school exit exam prep class um, one year. And of course, you're teaching English and math. And mm-hmm. so that's when they realized, oh, I can actually teach math. <laughs> so I started getting more math classes added until now. I just kind of got phased out of English and now I'm just math, um, which is fine with me because um, in high school, I remember one of the things I said was, I want to be a math teacher. Wow. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out because I'm, I'm older than you, <laughs> which is my long shot. But um, so back when I was in school, first of all, I started in a school that was for all disabilities. And it was a, it was basically a two room school house. Yep. With, with, yeah, first through sixth grade and then seventh through uh, senior year. And so that's where I was through fourth grade. And then we, me and my brother both, we migrated to, you know, mainstream school at fifth grade, Mm -hmm. either year year before me and then me the next year. Um, And then, you know, we were just mainstreamed and there was no, you know, special ed classes at all back then. I remember when that happened. And and really the only thing was just a place where all the special, because I did have to take a special ed class for, they didn't know what to do with me in gym class, you know, it, where junior high, you know, they had, it was great because they adapted, you know, the class to me, you know, I was the only one, nice. but, you know, so I would do some of the things that I could do and other things, you know, we would just figure some way to do it, you know. But when I got to high school, they didn't really, they didn't really have that kind of thing. So 
basically all the special ed kids just would meet in a room for 45 minutes, you know, whatever long a class was, of, you know, and I don't even know. I think some of them, the people in the class, um, you know, might've had injuries and they were, they were just rehabbing and coming back. So they were placed in this class for a while, you know, so it was just a little bit of everything. And we didn't do anything. We, we either, you know, did our own, like we could do homework, we could read, we could just sit around and whatever. So, so it's just interesting to see how, you know, how far things have come now as I, I listen. But so, so to today's students will, you know, you have a math class with you and then they go on to an English class. So how long is your class? Is it an hour? Or- it's an hour. Okay. I, you know, because I come into this not knowing, and I'm envisioning, you know, you're with your students all day teaching different subjects. So there is a um, a class that is like that. I'm gotcha. not, so that is um, so there are you know kind of levels with, and some of the language is being revamped and kind of outdated. So I'll kind of speak yeah. in terms of um, students. They all have an an IEP, an individualized education plan. Yeah plan will specify how many specialized academic instruction hours they need. So let's say if they say they need five hours, that's five classes with, um, you know, then they will indicate, is it an intense five classes, which means one teacher all day, or is it five with five different special education teachers all day? So I have, so I teach, you know, the math class, one class of my students come in for the hour and they leave. Now, what some of the things that I find um, difficult is when students need a more intense, but then you have other players, other stakeholders, whether it's the parent or the, you know, the administration or whatever cannot offer the services the student needs according to the professional teacher's opinion, right? Or, and looking at data, you know, the student struggles, let's say going from one class to the next, but then that class may be full, you know, certain things like that. So um, thank goodness that is not the norm (laughs) because I think that would drive most special education teachers just bananas. But um. So you, but you do have some of those, you know, instances where that happens. So some kids do need a more intense where they do need one teacher all day and they will get that. And they, and that still is a high school diploma track program. And then there's one where they have a teacher all day and it is not a diploma track. It's a certificate of completion. Okay. Okay. And that's through assessments and all those things through all the stakeholders get together and find out mm-hmm. what in their professional opinions, what they can achieve. Is that a question? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> so in, you're saying in my professional opinion, yeah, well, well in, in this, in this group of people, all the stakeholders, whether it be administration, you know, teachers, parents, all working on, you know, one individual and, and kind of assessing where you're going to place them in the, in classes, you know, which kind of class, all those things. So it's, it's. Um, and the student has an opinion as well. Yeah. Good, good. So, so and, and is that more recent too? I know there's a lot of talk about yeah. the individual, you know, uh, um, needs. And, and 
Yes and no. The student has always been invited. Good, good, uh, good. And I'm not going to even say always because, I mean, you could probably take it back to the 80s and they weren't. Yeah. And so once they started, I know at high school, um, they have a transition plan that starts at 16 years old. So you actually have to have the, the student invited by then, period. Okay. Um, and the student should be there to be part of their transition plan. What is the plan after high school? Um, right. And that to me is, that's the part that I love to do. Because overall, the high school is just four years. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and as an educator, we all want to feel like, oh, it's so important. Okay, yes, but the rest of your life is more important. <laughs> yeah. So what are you going to do after this? And I want us to start at a, at a space and at a place that is reasonable and achievable. And so sometimes that's difficult because, you know, and as pa- I'm a parent, we want the best for our kid. And I love it. I love when these parents are like, this is what I want for my kid. Like this, he, he's going to go do this or she's going to go do this. And I love it. But let's also, okay, so what are the steps to get there? And are we all invested in doing that part to get there? And this is where, you know, because basically I'm just creating, you know, a plan and, and doing the steps necessary in high school to get you there. So let's give an example of a, parent, a student um, wants to go, um, like I've had a, a, a student wanting to go to UCLA. Okay, so that's cool. Now uh, the steps what we have to do in high school is they have to they have to have um, Spanish or a foreign language, any foreign language, not just Spanish, but a foreign language. They have you know it's best if the high school is three years of math, but if to get into UCLA you need four years of math. Is your, are you know just do you know as a student, and are you willing to take four years of math, two years of two years of Spanish, or you know French or any other foreign language? So kind of looking at, are you willing to do these things? And if the answer yes, then let's let's go for it, right? Um, and I've had a, a special needs student attend UCLA. so I sure have. So I think people need to you know it's it's not. Is not unattainable. It is achievable if that's what they want. And that's well, the, what the reason I, I love to hear you say that, because one <laughs> of the things I, I, I run into too often is where people want to be, you know, compassionate and helpful towards somebody with a disability. But with and, and, Yes. And one of the things they do is they don't have high expectations for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we've all been at the office and somebody has put up all the posters, you know, they have the pictures and, you know, reach for the stars. Yeah, reach for the stars. And maybe if you fail, you'll you'll reach the moon. You know, all those things. Well, you know, why, why can't we help be held to those expectations? You Absolutely. know, you know, and, and perhaps we won't make it. Mm-hmm. But imagine where we would reach if we were stretching ourselves more. Yeah, you know, and no, no, no harm in that, right? I'm working with a family now. Um, he's um, autistic, extremely intelligent. Okay, um, but his entire family are graduates. Mm. His mom, his dad, and all his siblings. He's the baby, and so here he comes, and he's like, um, "Yeah, like 
I'm going to college, you know, like this is where I want to go. And I, I can't remember where he wants to go. Um, and I feel like it's, it's, well, it's a little too far from mom. And so it's really cute to see these families, how they, because it's almost like we're an advocate on that transition part, yeah. you know, to where we have to. Um, and I love when I can get really, when me and that family has jailed and I can say, okay, mom, like, he's going like, how about Cal State San Bernardino? It's right here. You know, do you realize that there's a bus that takes him? Do you realize that, you know, so then when I'm saying, and saying all those things and she's like, okay. And it's a, it's so interesting when I get that phone call at 10 o'clock at night from that same mom, who's like, okay, you said, okay. And I'm like, I love it because her mind is turning for her child in a direction to where it's reach for the stars. Yes. He can go to college. I think he wanted to go, let's say like, to Cal State Long Beach or something. And mom is like, that's just way too far. Too far like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, San Bernardino's right here, you know? Cal State system is just right here exactly. near you. Yeah. Right, you know? And um, and so it, it's, it, I love to see when I have families who are like, okay, yeah, he can, although she's, she's being, she's being the, the coddled, the little helicopter mom, little you know? Bit, yeah. But she knows like, I got to let this happen, but I want them near, but I, you know, so she knows kind of how to back off. And even when I'm like, all right, no, he's going to do this. Yeah. And it's, it's just super. That's cute. awesome. I absolutely. So love it. So she, that's the family I'm working with currently. Yeah. She wants to let him out of the nest, but you know, before you full on fly. Yeah. She's like, but I got to put baby a steps. To, yeah. yeah. Like I got to put a string to, to his face. <laughs> yeah, I like it. So I, I think you touched something at Eric there. You, I saw his eyes kind of get big when you were talking about this. Yes. Yeah, this reminds me of so much of my uh, special ed days when I was in high school, but I'll get to that in just a second. I wanted to say, you know, it's very remarkable how you got into teaching because at first I didn't think about teaching either until I started teaching by video chat four years ago at the beginning of uh, COVID. I kind of picked it up and ran with it to the moon and back, and, you know, I developed a passion for teaching ever since. And during my special education days, it took them a long time to figure out that I was too advanced for the program. And this didn't really happen towards the end of my junior and the beginning of my senior year, because like most kids, I'd finish all my work early and they'd be bored out of my skull the rest of the period. And it was to the point where all my classmates asked me to read for them, which I did. And then in their minds, I was the smartest kid in the whole class, but I didn't really think so. And when it came to being social, Rather than just hanging out with all the other kids who had disabilities like myself, I was more drawn to the crowd who didn't have disabilities. And since they, well, anyway, they mainstreamed me uh, from the special ed program to the mainstream program during my junior and senior year. And to my surprise, I actually graduated a year early with the exception of the exit exam. And I didn't turn 18 until after high school because of my birth date. Now, what high school did you go to? I graduated from Redlands High School, the class of uh, 07. I also, my fiance, she also has autism, and she inspires me every day. And forgive me if I start um, bawling and tearing up on this next part. Without her, nothing in this whole planet or life itself will mean nothing to me without her. That's awesome. She's my inspiration. She is the one thing that, Tells me to keep going. Hold on, no matter how dark or how tough things will get. Yep. 
That's awesome. Very good. He's my man right here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I try to be. You know, and, and there in and of itself, it's like, yeah, you know, we we all have those struggles. It's not it's not exclusive to able-bodied or disabled people, you know. And I think the the some of the reason when you kind of talk about that snowflake, Doug, um, I think what it is is if a person can't see the disability, they feel like it's not there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we all, most of us have some form of a disability yeah. or, or we'll, we'll get one. If we live long, <laughs> we're going to age into it. You're absolutely right. Yep. Gonna hurt, we will get there. Yeah. And so it's, um, it's important to recognize. Um, and it, I think it's important to, um, to be generous and it's yeah. important to, uh, to just be aware and to be helpful yeah. because, you know, when you're at the grocery store, um, you know, I, I live not far from, a community like an older community. So my local grocery store is really full of older people. Higher, mm-hmm. you know, 70, 80s, you know, and up. And it's so interesting to see, you know, it takes long to get out of the parking lot. They take long, long to walk across, you know, they have these groceries. They want people to, you know, help them out and assist them. And, you know, sometimes I'll just say, oh, I'm, I'm headed out. I'll, I'll, I'll help you put your groceries in the car, you know, um, and a lot of people just look at them like, oh, well, they're, you know, their kids should have helped them or something. No, yeah. that is part of our community and our, and we need to embrace, embrace that. You know, I was wondering, um, when we talk about that, that able-bodied, dis- disabled, invisible or not visible in your class, is it all um, developmental and intellectual or do you have, you know, physically disabled um, students? I rarely have physically disabled but I can. So um, I have had a blind student in my class before. Um, and I've had a deaf student. Um, but I would say one of my favorites that teaches me to be a better student or a better teacher every day is an autistic student. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about patience. They will tell you real quick, uh, you know, if you say something, you need to be consistent with whatever route you went with. And so you have to marry that. So one day I remember it was my first, my first years of teaching. And I put something on the left side of the board and I said, this is the way you don't do it. And so, and then I drew a circle. It, it, I had told, it was like name, date, period, and how to just title your paper, something, um, um, you know, really easy. Yeah. And, um, and I said, do not do it like this. And I drew a circle around it and I put a little X, you know, a little cross through it. I drew said, it, yeah. And then I put on the right side of the board and I said, now this is right. And I, you know, did it all, you know, whatever. And so I said, okay, and this is how we started. And so uh, I got with the class and we were, you know, kind of taking notes and we got to where on the right side of the board, I ran out of space, but I still wanted it up there because some students write a little slower. So I started writing on the left side of the board and my autistic student was not writing anything down. And I said, why are you not writing anything down? Like what an attitude, why, what, what is going on, right? And she said, well, because it's on the wrong side of the board. And I was like, she got me, you know? And so they, autism really challenges you to be better at what you do and to stick to whatever you're gonna do, you're, you're, you're married to it until yeah. they leave. <laughs> not to you leave. Until, until they leave. 
Right. And so they're no longer <laughs> in your class. She, you, I mean, if you said, okay, we're going to stand up and do the pledge or we're, this is what we're going to do. We're sharpening our pencils for about the first five minutes. You, That's what you better do. So, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. And not because of not having patience, but I, I don't know if I could be a teacher just because I, I, in the, in the times that I've had to teach somebody something in my own field, I, I realize as you're teaching it, how, how much more you do than you realize, oh, you yeah. know, because I, you know, I'm, I'm giving them five or 10 steps along this process of teaching them. And as I'm teaching, I realize there's 50 steps to this. Yeah. You know, and, and it really is. And yeah. And, and all those things that you just kind of take for granted and you do, but if you have to sit and show somebody and verbalize every one of the steps, then it kind of reveals to you, you know, how, how many there are. Mm-hmm. So, so high school isn't necessarily a uh, defined by age or years with this population, right? So, I mean, it's not like when you get to be 17, you're going to graduate. So do you have students that, I mean, isn't there a cap where they can be in your class and then they have to transition? Um, well, they can, uh, special education students can stay until the age of 22. 22. I wasn't sure exactly. Oh, yeah. Remember, yeah. Um, but most of my students will be gone and out by 18. Oh, good. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we won't. Now, the more intense program where it's the certificate of completion, you will see that most of them will stay until 22. Now, uh, you were talking about just in your uh, teaching of your lessons, there's a lot of, you know, functional type things that, that they learn along the way. You know, yeah. the, those collaboration and all those things is do they have classes for that in, that are, you know, specified for that as well in this population to help them when they get into yes. the real world? Yeah. So, sometimes the schools will provide it. So it's really just what the schools, um, you know, have. And then a lot of special education teachers honestly have the same skill basis that I do. When we all get together and we talk and we discuss, it's really the same. Now, they may be teaching the same thing from a different aspect. Um, there's a new teacher um, on our campus, and I was in her room. And um, it was, uh, she had this uh, on her board, and it said something like, if you need additional time on your paper, you know, like you need additional time to complete the assignment post your assignment here. And it was just a little circle magnet that they took off the board. They put their paper there and they, <coughs> and they pasted it there. And it's like, well, what is the functional skill in that? That's asking for help. And I was like, wow. Now mind you, I'm 20 years in the game. Mm-hmm. First year, right? Second year. And I'm like, that was really good because it's putting it off on them, on the student, on the person who needs to ask, right? Yeah. And they could ask in a nonverbal way. All they they didn't have to tell her, if you need more time, do this. So it was, I thought that was that was magic. <laughs> and it doesn't call them out or, or they don't have to right. raise, raise have their to... hand in the middle of a class or yeah. Right. yeah. So uh-huh. I thought that that was so awesome. So I think it's very beneficial um you know, to, to definitely go visit other teachers' classrooms is definitely beneficial to speak with other teachers, even if they're not in their same subject. She's not, she teaches science. I yeah. teach math. 
we are totally uh, not insane. <laughs> I think that's a life lesson that we can all learn, you know, because that's that's something I strive to do. You know, I in my field, you know, I was in it for 40 years, but there would be some, you know, new kids that would come along. I mean, really just starting their career and they would do something. And I'm like, I like that. I'm using that. I'm stealing that. Right. I'm putting <laughs> yeah. that in my toolbox. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, don't and set your ego aside. And, yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to the transition part. Yeah. yeah. So on the transitions, we kind of talked about a student who reached for the stars. They're going to UCLA, right? Yeah. So I want to talk about another angle of a student reaching for the stars. Just because it's not UCLA, UCLA doesn't mean that this other student did not reach for the stars. So, um, I'm going to do two other students. So I have a lot of students that want to go straight to work, right? Okay. So right out of high school. No, they do not want to go to UCLA. They do not want to go to school. They kind of want to gain some quick skill and go straight to work. So we had a student, um, I I had a student um, who wanted to become a welder. So of course he went through the welding class um, and then making sure that what I love about transition is making sure that they know their resources once they leave us. So the Department of Rehabilitation, you know, Inland Regional, I mean, just to name a few are such amazing programs that they need to know that that is now they're us, like they're me, you know, like just because you're leaving me, you're just leaving me as a teacher. You won't leave me as a resource. You know, they will have my contact to contact me, but basically I'd like to get them connected to the Department of Rehab or in the regional before they, you know, go out. Like, where are they? Do you know where they are? And if you need me to go down there with you for your first time, I have no problem doing so. I typically will meet families down there um, because it's scary. You know, the yeah. mom is scared. You know, um, the the child is scared. You know, so and and it's not because they're disabled or she has a disabled child. It's because it's a next phase that there's nowhere written down in a book as to what to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. when my son went off to college, I was scared. He was scared. It was like, okay, well, what what now, right? And so, and he was non-disabled, but it you still have the same emotions and the same feelings. Yep. Because you are a human. Um. So, I would usually take them down there. Um. So this one student wanted uh, what welding so um after you know he got his welding license then he wanted which i thought was the weirdest thing i didn't get it but that's not my job to get it (laughs) my job is the resource that you need he said i want to get a a a specialization in in under in water welding or under under i'm thinking how in the heck do you do that? And where are their jobs for that? But that wasn't my business. <laughs> I said, oh, so I just found the resource to get to get the class paid for. You know, where's the school at? You know, like, do you know where the school's at? Okay, cool. Let's do this. So we did all that. Um, and um, he is now a underwater welder. Wow. I had never heard of it. <laughs> and I, I bet you that's probably... He, he, welding is really well-paid profession, but I bet you underwater is a whole nother level, right? Yep. Good for um, him. And then the, so that, I kind of want to go on medium, you know, high. That yeah. was reaching for the stars, UCLA. His dream was reaching for the stars, a welder. Yeah. And so now there's this other group that I think we have that we don't know. And so I kind of want to talk about that, that group for just a moment. 
Um, and so we have the, the kids who leave. They know that they want to go to college, the ones who know that they want to go to work. And then we have another group that just doesn't know. Right. Can I ask real quick? Is that is that maybe the biggest group? Because at that age, who knows what they want to do? Right. You know, right. And, and I think, too, they're just, um, you know, you, you have to know that they're 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 not mobile. They're not. And what I mean by mobile is they're not driving. You know, some of them will, may never drive. You know, it's not like we have this amazing transportation system <laughs> here in the desert. Yeah. And Amen. So, yeah, if you don't. And um, and so we have this group that they want to stay at home. They, they've never thought about moving away from home. And so what do we do with this group? And this is where I think some, you know, let's say parents, you know, um, where we need to be um, recognizing where your child's at and starting there. And so, it, and I have not found it. So I'm definitely interested if somebody is like, oh, you know, this is a resource where I'm at a little loss. Those students who want to stay home, but overall, everybody wants some form of independence. Yep. Everybody. Yep. I don't care who they are. I don't care. Even the, the, the aging, um, you know, they may age. The, the, let's say they can cook for themselves, but they can't clean for themselves. Don't take cooking from them, right? Because they can cook let them cook um so this group is saying i'm now 18 i'm 19 i'm 25 now i want some form of independence but they don't even know how to grasp it and so in the parent where you know the the parent is doing the best they can they still have you know that the child's still living at home but there's no it's almost like where are these adus we're doing adus for homeless and adu is an excessive dwelling unit um, or a a little tiny house, right? Why can't that, you know, be a little tiny house, you know, to where it's on the parent's property. So like a, what they call a casitas or something. Yes. Because now that is. Mother-in-law's house. Yeah. Exactly. That's their college. That's them reaching for the stars. Yeah. That's them grabbing onto their independence and saying, I am, I am a person. I am human and I want some form of independence away from you to where if I don't want to make up my bed as soon as I get out of it, I don't have to because I am a grown person. Yeah. You know, and so it would be nice to see, um, you know, they're doing a lot for the homeless and I'm, that's, that's not my calling. Right. My calling is is special ed. And so I'm like, geez. So when I see a group that's doing something like that. And it's not an either or you know, conversation, you know, it's just. Yep. And so I had one parent um, and this is where the light bulb went off. Um, She had twins and um, she said, they're not going to leave home. And she goes, I would want them to, but I don't think they are. And she was very um, uh, forthcoming with her students, um, what they could do, but she also knew that they're going to be grown men. And so she said, I'm having this little tiny house built in my backyard for these kids, you know, for her kids who were graduating. And so um, I've checked on them from time to time. And it's so interesting to see how happy they are opposed to someone who's still 25, 30 years old, still living at home 
you know, because underneath their mom's thumb, although they're still living at home because they're just in the backyard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're just on the side of the house, you know, yeah, a few feet but, but miles away. Yeah. But she it, has her thumb on them and she, you know, and <laughs> they can stay up as late as they want. They get, you know, the, and they have this schedule. So now when Inland Regional comes to them, they have their own kitchen. She's teaching them, you know, they have their own pots. They, you know, it's not mom's kitchen. You know, they yeah. want to keep their own kitchen clean. And so it's just really interesting to see the different dynamics of reaching for the stars. Have you asked her about what changes in them that has, that it's made? I mean, do they, does she see maybe a, a day when they might even be more independent and this might be a step to being off their, her property? The, the interesting part now, mind you, they've only, they're about maybe 24, 25 now. And, um, and so they're, they're finding their way. Um, and she does say that um, they're, they're now like catching the bus. Mm-hmm. And I said, Oh, how did, did they do that on their own? She said, yeah, she goes, they, you know, looked it up and they said, okay, we're just going to catch it. And they just started doing it for fun at first. Okay. We're yeah. just going to catch it to the mall. And she says, so they started pulling away from her. She says before they would come to her, Hey, can you take me to the mall? And, um, and she would get up and take her babies to the mall. And she said, one day they just caught the bus. They didn't, need- they didn't <laughs> they say didn't anything to her. Yeah. <laughs> and I just cracked up. And she said, wow. um, when Inland Regional comes out, that they have their own space to do their own living quarters, to do their own thing. And I thought, wow. Now, do you see the, I'm seeing the correlation between you know, that, you know, person and, and uh, somebody that would be characterized as able-bodied and able-minded and all that. Mm -hmm. We all go through those steps. You know, how many of us, you know, moved out, you know, and, and for whatever reason, you know, had to come back home for a little bit before you go out again, you know, and you, you go out and you're, you've got roommates and you come back and then you go out and maybe you're on your own now and, you know, you're living in an apartment at some point you transition to a house, you know, that's everybody goes through those steps. You know, and part of that's financially, or if you're able and other parts are just, you know, in your own mind, you may not be ready for those, you know, each one of those steps quite yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not, again, we're human uh, beings. Go ahead, Eric. Speaking of being a transitional, if I could do it all over again, I wish I would have put a little more thought of what I wanted to do after high school and, after they found I was too advanced with the program itself, I could see the look on my former special ed teacher at the time, like, man, how could I, how could I have missed this? And I wish I would have had a helicopter mom instead of just keeping me to herself. I wish she would have been like, go for it, honey. And I've had my own place before and been out on my own. I've lived with my fiance and her family for almost two and a half years now. It's a blast. I know in my heart that we're never going to move out and, get a place of our own even after we get married in three years and I'm okay with that because you know I'd rather have you know live with somebody that could watch the both of us just to make sure we're okay and my father-in-law to be he's retired now due to his Parkinson's and I look at it this way I'd rather be living with her parents you know the rest of our lives so that way as he gets older and progresses with his former disability I'd rather keep an eye on him you know to make sure he's okay because, you know, me and him are very close. I mean, I've called him dad by accident on a couple occasions. <laughs> and, you know, sooner or later, my mother-in-law to be is going to retire too. So 
hey, let's just take care of them as they get old. Yes. And that is, um, like I said, disabilities is, Doug, kind of going back to that snowflake. Absolutely. It's, it's vast, you know, um, because it's not just the cognitive. It's, you know, like you said, the aging. We all live long enough. We will all be there. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, I tell people who are much younger than me, they might be 50 years old and, you know, everybody ages into disability. Like, no, no. And I'm thinking, I, I say, drop it, give me a somersault right now at 50 years old. And then, you know, they go, oh, yeah, <laughs> can't do that anymore. A, or run 100 yards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know, you're, you're, you'll blow out a hip, uh, <laughs> your knee. <laughs> you know, I wanted to give Eric an opportunity to, to talk about his, you know, he was talking before about he never, thought he would you know teaching would be in his future and now he's he's gotten like i don't know what is it closing in on 300 certificates for you know disaster preparedness uh, and all these uh, different uh, things oh uh, those things those are just papers on the wall or in my hard drive or whatever because at the end of the day all it is is this knowledge i've come across you know from covid to where i am now and i've been trying to teach my fiance how to cook little by little but she <laughs> has a fear of setting the kitchen on fire and i said baby you're not going to set the kitchen on fire I'm going to be right here with you every step of the way. I've barely taught her how to put pizzas in the oven for no more than nine minutes. Okay. No problems. Well, and, and, and don't minimize your accomplishments there, buddy. Right. You know, you, you put in the time, you did it, you passed them. Yeah. And it also has opened the door, you know, that he, now he has a dream he wants to teach. That's right. right. She's very peculiar when it comes to food and, like, uh, I'll make something, and she might not like it. I said, no, 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 no. Go ahead and taste it. And she's like, oh, this is good. I'm like, see? Okay. <laughs> so, well, Eric, um, Doug said you have a passion to teach. Um, so are you still going to continue teaching the, is it the disaster preparedness? Uh, yes. My background and expertise is disaster preparedness for people with disabilities. I have experience, you know, volunteering in law enforcement and the disaster preparation known as the community emergency response team. And as I got into teaching, I used my background and experience to help teach people with the disabilities all about emergency preparedness. And my lectures are very easy to follow. They're a lot of fun. They feel like a game show a lot of the times. Okay. And, you know, when it comes to preparing their go kids, I use a scenario like, think about it as pizza. Everybody likes pizza. I haven't met anybody yet who didn't like pizza but at the same time, everybody's pizza is going to be different. Not everybody likes, you know, let's say anchovies on their pizza or pineapple or supreme. Some could be vegetarian. You know, you never know. Right. And what I've learned about autism is that it's not a one-size-fits-all deal. I'm trying to solve all the mysteries to this very day, like in a Rubik's Cube. Like when I first learned about autism from my fiance, I learned that she reacts to loud noises. She'll give me like some sort of a single that she needs to get away from the noise and I'll take her to a quiet spot to help her shimmer down until she's okay again. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that. Yeah, that's sweet. Yep. Well, I had a whole list of questions to, to ask you and Okay. But you've you've answered them all. Just to oh. weave weave through the conversation. I'm just kind of going over them again. And I think I think the only one I that uh that I haven't asked yet, I guess, is that uh, just was kind of wondering, and this would be a, maybe a good way to kind of wrap up is, you know, through all of this, what's what's been the biggest rewards, either, you know, the obvious ones or or some that maybe you were surprised by? Um, I will say the biggest reward is for me is teaching in my community. 
the community that, you know, it's like I'm giving back, you know, or not even giving back just because I'm feeding into myself as well. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a reciprocal um you know you know when people are like oh the world is going you know crazy and i'm like oh you know it's all great you know because i know when i see you know my students whether they are at walmart or whether they're at you know a hospital working it feels good to see that it feels good to see that they achieved what they wanted yeah and so um what it what surprises me, I think, is um, that there's still work to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's still <laughs> things to do. And so I think what surprises me is how I'm just like, you know, people want to, because uh, I've been awful teaching, you know, I'm at the top of the mountain. I'm now, you know, a veteran teacher, I guess, what they yeah. call. but there's still a lot of work to be done. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think the one that, the avenue that I want to see is people realizing how, you know, some of it, everybody can reach for the stars where they want to go on what they need for that moment. So when I see certain agencies or, you know, that, that will do, let's say housing for um, special, special education, people with disabilities, I'm all game. So I'll definitely see myself somewhere around there in the future, just wanting to know more about it. Um, because that the transit after high school is my passion. High school is four years of your life that you're honestly, you're not even going to remember. And you're not going to remember that I taught you algebra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to remember how I made you feel in that classroom. Mm-hmm. You will not remember that algebra. So, you know, I, I graduated early by design for that for that reason, at at 16, 17 years old, I knew that this isn't it. You know what I mean? You know, and this is great. And, and no no knock on anybody in high school, but I just, there's those people in high school who are these stars. Everybody knows so-and-so and so, you know, it's usually the football star, but there are other people that are just stars in high school. You Everybody knows so-and-so, you know, for whatever reason. And I just, and that's all great, you know, and I, and I'm certainly not, I'm not bashing. I'm not taking anything away from them, but I knew in myself, there's a whole life out there. And the sooner I can get out of this, I, I could move on. So I started taking classes. I took full, you know, full loads of courses all, or other people were taking only four periods and they'd be out by noon. No, no. I was there till two or three o'clock, whatever it was every day. Got all my credentials, whatever credits and all that. And graduated six months early and started life and you know, went to work. And yep. those were my goals, you know. Yeah. Yep. Anything, yep. Eric, do you have thoughts? You made, you made me realize something just now. Forget being a star in high school. I just realized right now that I shine more brighter and that I'm even a bigger star as an adult compared to what I was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That's good enough for me. Yep. Yep. To That's my right. point. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I, Kept wanting to mention this because I meant to say this at the very beginning of our conversation, Terry, that uh, Terry and I, we work together on a board at Rolling Start, which is an independent living center. So it kind of dovetails into, you know, what you do. You know, you're you're the rubber is hitting the road there every day for you. Yes. you know, not only are you teaching, you know, the education of math, but 
you know, I, I see just through our conversation how, you know, you're shaping their lives and in in giving them the tools to have an independent life, whatever that is for them. Whatever that is for them. It is for them. So yes. thank you. Thank you for taking the time and, and coming on and, and sharing your experience with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invite. It was awesome. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can. But it's just as important to take time for yourself. AARP can help. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org slash caregiving. That's aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Walk and Roll Live. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it very much. Uh, this is an 11th uh, episode, by the way. Uh, we just uh, put up, I don't know if you saw it on social media, but we got our 10 episode badge that we put up for Podbean. So that's uh, one of our achievements. And hopefully there will be many, many more. And um, so you've got, uh, always talk about events now. Um, you've got a couple more disaster preparedness trainings, August 17th and November 16th, right? Yes, sir. Beautiful, beautiful. And uh, if you're looking to resources on uh, disability, anything uh, that uh, we can think of that we've put up on our resources page, check it out there on our website, walkandrolllive.com. And we've just added a few more new ones on there. As a matter of fact, so check that out. And if you don't find what you're looking for, for your particular, you know, chronic illness or disability, whatever it is, let us know. And we definitely want to put that up there so people have a resource uh, for whatever they're going through. Now, this is um, what I have for um, a little surprise for you, Eric. I thought it'd be fun to do. And I'm going to I'm going to kind of start it with you and, and, and you can start it with me, too. But. And then maybe we'll start asking our guests. But I had three questions, just something we're going to call three questions. I got a whole list of them here, but we'll just do three. So maybe we can incorporate this as we kind of wrap up with our guests going forward. But so I'm going to, let's see, I'll pick one here for you. All right. Just so you'll you'll get an idea of what these are about with this first one. What is your go-to guilty pleasure song? My go-to uh, go go-to pleasure song. Well, um, it doesn't have any words. It just has um, a beat to it. It's a jazz style. It's a songbird by Kenny G. Kenny who? G. Kenny, Kenny G. Oh, okay. The uh, what does he play? Don't tell me. Um, is it a flute? The clarinet. The clarinet. Player. Clarinet. That was my. An all-around jazz musician. Very nice. What's the name of the song? Just anything from him or? Uh, a songbird and a silhouette are my two favorites. Very nice. Very nice. I think one that comes to mind and I, you know, there's so many songs, but I think one would be shake it off by Taylor Swift would be something that probably people wouldn't think I listened to, but yeah, I think oh, that's, that's one of them. Yep. My favorite song from her is where she goes down in flames. <laughs> down in flames. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We're both big Taylor Swift fans here on walk and roll live. All right, how about, uh, have you ever seen a ghost? Oh, have I seen a ghost? Oh, let me tell you. They, they, there's a big story behind that one, my friend. I remember a as a dish. kid. As a kid, 
we lived in we lived in a house yeah on washington street it's located in redlands i've heard a lot of myths legends and gory details about that house i did some research a while back as i was reading it used to be a mobster house back in the old days uh-huh. and as you go up the stairs and into the master bedroom into the next room you make a left there was a fireplace inside the closet a and fireplace inside have, of a closet? Why is there a fireplace inside of a closet? Fireplace inside a closet. This is a very old house. Yeah. If I had any guess, this could be over maybe a hundred years old, if not older. Wow. And then before you go upstairs, there was a sink right by it, pointing towards the kitchen. And then there was um, several ways you can get around the house. Like there was the first bedroom on the right. When you first walk into the house, you go into the bedroom, you make a left, you open the door. It goes in through the hallway, like a hidden entrance. Yeah. Now, in between that hallway, there's three ways you can get out. But before you can get into it, before you can choose any of the two ways, there was a bathroom, which was the hallway bathroom, naturally. Now, you make a left. You turn the door. You go right out. But if you choose not to go left, you go in straight, and then you go into the next room, which was a guest room. Now, go a couple of steps further. There's another door. That door leads into the bathroom downstairs, going to right across from the kitchen. Now, there are two ways you can get into the kitchen. You can go straight, or you can go in towards the dining room, and then boom, there's another door that leads right into the kitchen. And I apologize if there's so many doors, folks. This place was like a maze. <laughs> I was going to say, now, now, did you ever get lost? Not really, but I was rather puzzled. Now, you go into another door. Boom, there's a pantry. And then if you look in towards the dining room some more, there's another door that can lead you right into the porch. Now there's a now there's two doors that can lead right into the porch if you choose to go right or left. Now what I found um, a week after I moved in is that there's actually sliding doors to close off the dining room and just so the living room. Now back to the haunted and gory details. I was upstairs one time in the master bedroom just, you know, wandering and checking out the house because as a kid, you know, you're in a big house. And to me as a kid, that was very, very cool. Out of nowhere, I heard a strange creaking sound coming up the stairs. I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, who's there? I'm alone. And then I, and then I slowly, you know, went towards the staircase, which made it a little, which was, which creased me out to this very day just thinking about it. Who's there? I looked at, um, down ahead and I realized that there was nobody there at all. And then a week later, each of me and my family members heard it. And then we looked at each other like, I don't like what's going on here. We're out of here. Now, you once you uh, go past, oh, yeah, we did. Once you go <laughs> past the um, staircase at the bottom, you go towards the laundry room, which leads into the back door. That's this wild. Was one bizarre, this was one bizarre house, my friend. Yeah. Well, I have never seen a ghost, and I I don't want to, <laughs> to tell you the truth. And, and I, I think they're, they may be out there. I'm not ruling it out, but I, I don't know. I, I think it would just scare me to death. I think that's, that's all I know. Okay, one more. Uh, oh, do you have a favorite fun fact that you like to tell? A favorite, a favorite fun fact. A fun fact that I like to bring up every now and then is about the peculiar uh, uh, python. I forget the name, but I see this in a cartoon, but this is actually practical information. It could find its prey, you know, by 
detecting um, its victims' uh, body heat, but one of the things that could save you from this particular snake is if you cover yourself um, in mud, you can hide your body heat that way, mm-hmm. and it won't be able to see you. Very nice. I don't know. That 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 is good. I don't know if I can meet that, but my fun fact, I don't know why this one just, oh, whenever fun facts come up, this is the one I always tell, because I found it fascinating, but the Olsen twins from, what's the show? What were the Olsen twins in? The, uh, oh, Mary Kate Ashley? Yes, the house. Oh, well, God, I should know this. Oh, you mean Full House? That full was Mary House. Kate That's it, Full House. Thank you, sir. Uh, but they're not identical twins. They're not? No. <laughs> they are They are paternal twins. They're not wow. maternal twins. See, I got a wow out of you. So they're pretty fascinating because they look so oh. much alike, right? Man, Doug, I never would have guessed this day. No, I mean, as a kid, when I used to watch two of a kind, one of their old TV shows, mm-hmm. I used to have a big crush on, on Mary Kate Olsen, but that was a whole different story in itself. Well, listen, I think that's one of our three questions. You know, who was your, no, don't tell us now, but who was your first celebrity crush? But we'll ask that at another time. All right. We got to wrap up. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks to Terry for joining us today. Next week, we've got a, a local wheelchair athlete that's going to join us. Um, I won't say any more than that because sometimes, you know, we've, we've learned from the past that sometimes they just can't make it or something. So, but I will tease that if it's not next week, we'll have him on uh, again soon, but I I feel pretty good about uh, him being here with us next week on walk and roll live from the Aguiar professional training studio. I am Doug Vincent. Who are you? And and I'm Eric Kegler folks. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. We'll see you next week, folks. Have a good one. Walk and Roll Live is heard around the world at walkandrolllive.com, Podbean, and Spotify. Like us at facebook.com slash walkandrolllive. You can email us at warlive at walkandrolllive.com with comments, observations, or whatever's on your mind. Whatever's on your mind. Have a topic you'd like to hear or a guest you think would be great for the show? Let us know. Look for new episodes every Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.